we've been speaking of the last couple of Sundays the excellency of Christ and the church of the grace of God over the law service and remembering Paul is speaking to Hebrew children that were translated from the law into the kingdom of God and they are being lured by those who know not grace or knew not grace to come back into the law service and worship by the law of their fathers for in fact they worshiped Moses and they worshiped Abraham before God Himself if you read Scripture and rejected the very Son of God Himself. And therefore they did not enter into the rest that was being promised unto them. Last week we closed with the first verse of chapter 4, if I'm not mistaken, as Paul says to these brethren, let us therefore fear. Now, he's not... We, he's talking about fearing not attaining to the rest that God provides for His people here in this world. When, when God called Abram, God promised him a place where he could rest from wandering, from idolatry, from all the things that tease or try to take our soul away from the Lord and the truth of God, which is Christ. He promised him a place where he would drive out the inhabitants, a place where he would find rest, rest from his enemies that were around him, where God would fight for him. We see when, when God called Moses, God gave them the law, God was freed them from the bondage of Egypt, therefore they had rest from bondage. They had rest from their enemies. And as Moses led them through the wilderness because of their unbelief, they were made to wander 40 years in the wilderness until the carcasses of those that stood in unbelief would fall in the wilderness and their seed would inherit the land that God had promised to Abram and Abraham, same person, and that Joshua would bring them in. Joshua led them in to a land of rest. And you bear in mind you bear in mind the entire time, first of all, when God came to free them out of Egypt, they were under bondage and they were persecuted by enemies. When God sent Moses to deliver them, God delivered them. God parted the Red Sea in Christ. The rock that followed them was Christ. The cloud was Christ. The fire Pillar of fire was Christ. All God's work is in Christ. God led them about in the wilderness, never forsaking them. Their shoes didn't wax old, and the clothes upon their body did not wear out. They had rest from bondage. They had rest from the afflictions because God 
blessed them and God gave them that rest. When Joshua brought them in, even though they were in the land of Canaan, they still were afflicted. They still had enemies. We live in a world of sin that's controlled by the prince of the power of the air, the prince of darkness, and God is light. Christ is that light. So we suffer daily from what is around us in this world. But God gave them rest in that land. All this is pointing to a rest that we have today. This is the fear where He says, let us therefore fear the rest that is in Christ. This book thus far especially, he's been talking about doctrine. The doctrine is salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is not another doctrine. There is not another way. Everything is because the Son of God and fulfillment of the election of grace came to this world, suffered, bled, and died to pay for our sins, raised up, for our justification, and sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. He sits in heaven and immortal glory because His work regarding eternal salvation is finished. He's resting from that, just as God rested on the seventh day from His work. This is the same spoken of in chapter 2 of the same book where he says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Brethren, while we live in this world, as these brethren did, because God had quickened them, because God had given them life, because they are the children of God, because it pleased God to set His love upon them, they suffered. They suffered tribulation. They suffered attacks physically, spiritually, temptations within and without. This text the last two weeks and today is about belief and unbelief. The example has been given to us of those of Israel whose bodies died in the wilderness, not coming in to the kingdom of God, not coming into the rest that God Provides. We spoke the last two weeks about Psalm 95, verse 11. I'll mention it again today. He, God swore in His wrath, God angry with His people, certainly so, that they would not enter unto His rest. Now, let us therefore fear. We live in a world that tries to lead us astray, the prince of the power of the air. The prince of darkness, Satan, devil, the adversary of God, Lucifer, bright and shining things that lure us away from the service of God. Just as the children of Israel desiring to go back to the leeks and the garlics and the onions and the gold and the silver and the flesh pots in Egypt and the water which was plenty there in Egypt desiring to go back unto that rather than to suffer affliction with the children of God which most of them did by faith. Hebrews 11. Let us therefore fear. Let us promise God who cannot lie. 
made this promise. Being left us of entering into His rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Again, as we're on the same text, 1 Corinthians 10, these things are an example to us. They disobeyed God. What was that, disbelo- that, that, that disobedience? It was unbelief. Unbelief. Even blind Bartimaeus, who was born of the Spirit of God, for he cannot or could not at that point see, knowing full well the Son of God was approaching him and passing by, cried out, Thou Son of David, have mercy on me. Restore my sight that I can see. He sought mercy. He sought to see. And then he said, Help thou mine unbelief. My point being that even a child of God born of the Spirit can suffer unbelief. Not like these people will tell you if you don't believe you go into hell, putting it upon your shoulders, for a child of God shall never finally and forever be deceived and be lost to the lake of fire because they're in the hand of God. But the knowledge of God revealed to us in the doctrine of the very Son of God who suffered, bled, and died for us. In that we have a rest from all things that come upon us in this world. We have a rest that God is with us in Christ, that God loves us, that God is our Father, Christ is our brother, the second person of the Godhead, and that He will carry us through this world no matter what we see, what happens to us, what we hear, what we do, that we'll stand with Christ in glory, Christ and Him crucified. doesn't matter who it is, Jew nor Greek. doesn't matter male nor female. doesn't matter babe or old. John the Baptist born of the Spirit in his mother's womb. And we certainly see old men who serve God, Moses being one in Scripture. But he says, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into His rest. We live in a world of turmoil. We need rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. To seek the righteousness of God, which is Christ to seek the kingdom of God, which is Christ in you, the Spirit of God, that we might have rest in the knowledge taught to us by the Spirit of God and the Gospel, the true Gospel. The church itself does not give you rest. The preacher does not give you rest. The choir does not give you rest. Rest comes in Christ. The knowledge of Christ is given to us by the Spirit of God when God writes His law upon your inward parts and by the preaching of the Gospel which brings life and immortality to light 
by men whom God calls, God enables, and God sends to you to feed your soul. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come unto me, God Himself, the Son of God, the second person of the Godhead, God made a fest in the flesh. Come unto me, ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. A child of God, born of the Spirit, whether he ever hears the gospel, whether he ever comes into a church house, he labors because the Spirit of God is within him. We may never see it. It may never be manifested to us. We may not know it until we get to glory and see them standing there with Christ. But God sees His work. God sees Christ and what Christ did. We have a rest. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into His rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Unbelief. For unto us... Today, that day, apostles, was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Them being those of the nation of Israel, the gospel was preached to them in types and in shadows. They labored by the law to come to God. Christ at that time speaking primarily to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And you believe this, you believe this because as He sought them, they all came to Him because a shepherd seeketh for his sheep. And He did not fail in what the Father gave Him to do. The lost sheep of that generation was brought to Christ. Don't you ever doubt that. Those Paul was speaking to in Acts 13, I believe in about verse 45 or so, he said, seeing you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, we lo, we turn to the Gentiles. That was the will of God because Christ was calling and had called the lost sheep of Israel and salvation had now come to the Gentiles. Beside the point, but it doesn't cost any more. For unto us was the gospel priest as well as unto them. They sought to serve God by the law. They labored. They labored under the law. And Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. We cannot keep the law. We cannot fulfill the law. Paul saying he was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Is touching the law, he was blameless. Never physically violated the law of God that he gave to Moses. But his heart, being a natural man, was corrupt by the revelation of Christ given to him on the road to Damascus to kill and assassinate and imprison the church of God. It was revealed to him by the revelation of Jesus Christ and the glory of God. That he had nothing to stand on but grace. He was morally bankrupt. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. I said this, I think twice already, maybe more. Faith is a fruit 
of the Spirit. Many of those people whom God brought out of Egypt, they were all of the nation of Israel. They were all footmen and soldiers. That's not including their wives and children giving us that great number God brought out. And they were all Israel by their flesh. But all of them were not God's elect. Some of them stood in unbelief because they were not yet born of the Spirit of God. Many of them stood in unbelief and never would believe because it was not given to them to know Christ, to know God. They could not see it in those types and shadows. They cannot see it today in the plainly declared Gospel of the Son of God. Okay? You see that. That is evidence that you're born of the Spirit of God. That is evidence that God quickened you. That is evidence you're among the elect of God, that God chose from before the foundation of the world. That is evident. Evidence that you are among the remnant that God preserves this world and reveals His truth unto. Can you still be in unbelief? Blind Bartimaeus cried out, Help thou mine unbelief. The things of the world Satan throws at us. Help thou mine unbelief. Help me, Lord, to cling to the rock of Christ, the solid foundation. People say cling to the cross of Christ, and I understand what they're saying or what they're trying to say. That was the Lord's cross. I have no right to cling to the cross. That was His passion. I have a right to cling to He who was upon the cross of Christ. Our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord, our King, our Master. Please accept that in the way that I mean it. Therefore I say, I cling to the rock of Christ, for He's the foundation of all things revealed unto us of God. He is the solid foundation. It was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. They were not born of the Spirit of God. It was not given them to know. They did not know. Many of them who did not know, being God's children, died in the wilderness. Many of God's children die in the wilderness today. They never hear the Gospel. They never come into the church. Take one in some foreign country that is still a third world country. Never heard the Gospel proclaimed by man. If they're God's children, they're here in their hearts at some point between conception and death. But they did not believe and therefore they fell in the wilderness. It was not mixed with faith and then that heard it. 
You must be born again. God must give you birth. You have to have life to hear. Life to be hungry. Life to be thirsty. Dead men do none of that. Christ gives you life. He is our rock. He is our salvation. For we which have believed the Gospel, even in the day that we've been talking about, who believed? Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Caleb. We were in one place where 70 men were touched. The Spirit of God, and they prophesied within the camp. Now here comes the nature of man. Moses, they're prophesying in the camp. Stop them. Moses answered, would to God that every one of his children would prophesy. They had rest in the knowledge of God revealed unto them in Christ. For we have which have believed do enter into rest. Because we have the knowledge of God, whether we never hear the gospel or a hymn or a prayer in church or shake hands with brethren and sisters. If we live in the darkness of a third world country, we've never heard the gospel. But we have an understanding in our heart, as it says in Galatians 3, the Scripture, the Scripture preached to Abraham beforehand. Way before Moses. Way before the books of the Pentateuch, the Law and Prophets, and all in the Old Testament were written. The Scripture, what is that? Christ, the Word of God. Reveal to him he'd be a father of many nations. For we which have believed do enter into rest. Abraham had rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest. 95.11 Psalm. And in there he says, in his wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Although the works were finished, from the foundation of the world, Genesis 2 and 2. Six days God created the heavens and the earth. Man was the last thing He created and woman from the body of the man. And God rested. Why did God rest? Again, because His work was complete. Why did Christ ascend back unto glory and why does He now sit at the right hand of the majesty on high? Because that work is complete. Now let me give you this. Heard this a long time ago. Don't remember who said it. Somebody right here. Christ stands. When we need help, Christ stands. He helps us daily. That work is not complete. He forever maketh intercession for the saints. When Stephen was stoned, and who held the coats of those that stoned him? Their coats were laid at the feet of Saul, later to be the Apostle Paul. When he was stoned, he said, I see Jesus standing, for He stands with us daily. But the work of eternal life is finished. The work of creating the church of God by revelation of God through Christ is finished. It's being built daily. 
God adds daily such as should be saved. But that work is finished. Eternal life. The works were finished from the foundation of the world. God rested on day seven because His work was finished. Creation was finished. For He spake in a certain place on the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all His works. That is to teach us of the rest which we have today. When we leave this world and our body is laid down, our body rests from sin. Our body rests from trial, tribulation, prejudice, hatred, lust, evil, violence. Our body rests in our beds, the ground. When Christ returns and our bodies are called for, because when we pass, our soul is at rest with Christ. That does not mean we're asleep in the grave. The soul does not go to the grave. The spirit and the soul go to heaven with Christ where He sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. It's resting from all that's in this evil, vile world. All those you love that knew Christ, they're resting the body and the ground if they're gone and the soul with Christ above. When the Lord Jesus Christ appears in the eastern sky, and He separates the sheep from the goats and our body and is called from the ground and reunited with our soul and our spirit and we inherit heaven and eternal glory. There's a rest there that we cannot begin to understand nor even try to understand while we live in this world. It's a glorious rest. We'll be with Christ. We'll see Him as He is. We'll worship Him. We'll never sin. We'll never hate. We'll never die again. But we have a rest in this world, in the kingdom of God, in the knowledge of the Christ of God, the Son of God, who died to save us from our sins, promises us a home in glory, and manifests this to us by the Spirit of God and the preaching of the Gospel. Why should I worship God? I wish every one born of the Spirit could understand why. The peace, the rest, Christ gives to our soul. For He spake in a certain place at the seventh day on this wise... And God did rest the seventh day from all His works. And in this place again, 95.11 Psalm, if they shall enter into My rest. And the text in the 95th Psalm says, I swore in My wrath they shall not enter into My rest because of their unbelief. The text is about believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The text is about believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ of God, the anointed Savior. The text is about believing it's nowhere but there. It's nowhere but Him. 
We have nothing to do with it. We had no choice in it. We're unable to do it. And quite frankly, as the Scripture teaches, we were at enmity with God and relishing it, loving the nature of man. When God took us from that death of sin and gave us life in Christ, seeing, now you catch this, seeing therefore it remaineth, that some must enter therein. Let that sink in. We live in a time of apostasy. We live in a time of falling away. This is not the first one. The dark ages were the same. We live in a time men had rather stay somewhere else and do something pleasing to their own natural mind, some dark thing somewhere, than to sit among the saints and worship God. If I'm going to sit up and drink all night on Saturday, I can't get there on Sunday morning. If I'm going to be in the river at daylight, I'm not going to be in the church house. If I'm going to be in a tree stand, I'm not going to be in the church house. What time does Sammy's go-go open? Well, i got to be there. And I'm not even touching on darker things. Those are enough. But my point is something is put before God. And this text is not dealing with natural man. This text is speaking to the children of God. And let's go a step farther since he's talking to the Jews who worshipped under the law until God brought them out of it. Why? Why? Why would you sit in a congregation of people who tell you you have to attain salvation when God freely gives it to you in Christ? Why should you sit somewhere where you're taught that it's your choice, your doing, your work, your money? It's freely given in Christ. But seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein. What does that tell us? Some must enter therein. That does not have an expiration date. That is here in the kingdom of God which Christ founded upon a rock. That rock is the revelation of Christ who is the rock of God, the foundation of the house of God, the church of God. Some must enter in. As long as there is a world, some must enter in to that rest. Because God will not be left without witness in this world. It might be two. It might be three in a congregation. There may be five congregations. In the area we call a state, there may be 150 congregations in the area we call a state. If I'm not mistaken, there's one state out west where the Mormons are that is not one at all. 
But the fact remaineth that God will not be left without witness. And when God quickens you and reveals Himself unto you, you enter into that rest. Some must enter therein. We mentioned this recently. When the Lord returneth, shall He find faith on the earth? Certainly. Because God will not be left without witness. But will it be in us? Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. We're in the desert. There's no water here. God's brought us out here to die of thirst. God gave them water. We're in the desert. We've nothing to eat. We'll starve to death. So they lusted after the flesh pots in Egypt. And God gave them manna from heaven. Angel food. Well, they got tired of that. That was plain. That was simple. They wanted something tastier, spicier. Something better to the taste of natural man. I'm going to tell you, brethren, you come to a church and you are fed food from heaven. You are taught the very Son of God, the Creator of heaven and earth, left eternal glory laying aside the glory of the Godhead and bore our sins in His body on the cross of Calvary and saved you from your sins, was placed in the tomb three days and three nights, came forth from that tomb, revealed Himself to many of His children just as He does today, and ascended back to glory because His work here is finished. We've got that knowledge. We've got that angel food. It comes to us. We don't need something spicier. We don't need instruments man creates. We've got the instruments that God created. That's your heart and that's your voice. If you sit through singing and never sing a word, you're singing from your heart. If God is blessing, you're singing from your heart. But oh, what a joy to sing these hymns. They entered in, entered not in, because of unbelief. They did not believe that God could give them water. They did not believe that God would give them food. When He did... It was too plain and too simple. The Gospel is cut and dried. It is plain. It is simple. Christ died for our sins. Matthew one twenty one. For He shall save His people from their sins. If you love God, He first loved you. It bears witness that Christ is in you. Don't be lured into unbelief. Cling to the Gospel. Cling to the knowledge of Christ Creator, second person of the Godhead, Son of God, the everlasting Father. He's God manifest in the flesh. What can we say? We can't say enough. 
If every child of God were known of the Spirit and preached till now the day the Lord comes back, if that's a million years from now, we'll never say enough for all the glory is His. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Unbelief. You know, a lot of us quit watching the news. The stuff that goes on in this world turns your stomach. I know God is God. You know that as well as I do. And you know that God is sovereign and God suffers many things. And I'm going to say this while I'm here. Some things God ordains. Something God causes. Something God suffers. Yet God is in control of all and nothing happens that God did not either cause or allow to happen. You can't say God created sin because that's not true. Yet God suffered these things to be for His glory. And as we live in this world, the providence of God, that should be enough for us. Because in that knowledge of Christ, we know and understand how much He loves us. Or we know that He does love us. I don't think we'll ever understand how much He does love us. Believe is what I'm trying to say. You believe because Christ is in you. God wrote His law upon your heart. Believe the Gospel. Believe it's all in Christ. Don't you give glory to a preacher who scared you to death and told you to come up here today before you die and go to hell. Been there, done that. Left more miserable than I was when I got there. Many years ago, couldn't wait to get back home, and then we only met second and fourth, and it took an extra week to get here. I was miserable. Again, he limited a certain day, saying, In David, this is what David said, 95th Psalm, today, after so long a time, as it is said, referring back to the day of Moses, today, the day of David, from Moses to David, if ye will hear His voice, the voice of God, harden not your hearts. Don't stand in fear. Don't stand in lust. Don't be a part of the world. Stand in the knowledge of Christ. That is a very proper, good, and easy thing to say. And then we turn and we leave. And before I get to the foot of the mountain, Satan is attacking. He's trying to turn us aside before we ever get home. He's trying to cause us fear. He's trying to cause us anger. He's trying to put glory upon me or you or worse than... What's worse than that? Because glory belongs to God. Causing our minds to go aside. Causing our hearts to look other places. That's why this admonition is giving to these brethren who had been under the law and had justified themselves by the law they were taught and seeing the truth in Christ. Christ is not going to fail us. Christ is not going to forsake us. 
Christ is not going to leave us. The things that we face in this world are for the glory of God. As we live, as we mature, as we worship, as we draw nigh to God, and we suffer outside in the world, and sometimes we fall, and God picks us up. People say, pray to the Lord. He'll deliver you. He'll turn you from that sin. Let me tell you something, brethren. Sometimes God will let you fall, and God will pick you up, and that will strengthen you and your faith in the knowledge of Christ. That even though you're still a sinner, He loves you. He loves you. We sing that song, and it makes mention in there that we lay hands on Christ for my. I, I, I will not let Him go. That's a newer version of that song. The original said, My Savior holds me in His arms and will not let me go. Now, there's a better truth. For when we let go and we fail, He holds us. He picks us up. All to His glory and all to our benefit, whether we realize it or not. No, I'm not telling you sin is a good thing for us. How can we that are free from sin be any longer therein in any way connected to it? Paul says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. I'm telling you, we're flesh and blood, we're sinners, and we're going to falter and we're going to fall. And to the glory of God, God will pick us up. And we learn through all these things. And we mature through all these things in Christ. Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus, who is Joshua, had given them rest, the Israelites, when Joshua brought them unto the promised land, when God parted the river Jordan, when those priests' feet stepped in the water with the ark of God, when they crossed over dry shod, God did all that. If Joshua, Jesus, had given them rest, then would He not afterwards spoken have spoken of another day? And while some believe He is talking about the rest and the mortal glory, that is true. But the point of Scripture is about belief and unbelief and whether you believe or not. I got in a discussion with this somebody on the internet. Jesus plainly said, if we deny Him, He'll deny us. Yes, He did. Regarding temporal salvation in the world, if we lie in hardness and we believe not and deny that He is the Christ of God, the Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, if we deny that, He'll deny us here in this world as being sons of God. But He cannot deny Himself. If we believe not, yet He cannot believe Himself. Your belief has nothing to do with you obtaining eternal glory. It's a gift of God. Your belief is evidence that you're born of God. That's the rest here in this world that Joshua was pointing to. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. That rest is in the church. That rest is in the kingdom. God translates you into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of His dear Son. God gives you light. The kingdom of God is within you. It is the Spirit of God. When we come into the assembly, 
when we profess Christ is the Son of God, when we take up our cross daily and deny self, when we sit with brethren and sisters, as Jeff Nettle says, sistering of like precious faith, to whom God has revealed this, we have rest, we have strength, we have angel food, we have spiritual drink, we have rest. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Now watch this. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God for He, you and me, that is entered into His rest, that's your personal space, as they say today. That's your rest. That's the rest God gives you individually. For he that has entered into his rest, the knowledge of Christ, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from His. Do you, do you understand that? Good works are profitable unto men. But if you have rest in God, that rest comes in knowing the truth that salvation is of the Lord. It's set in an eternal covenant. It never began. It never ends that God will never leave you nor forsake thee, that He loves you, that all those you see around you that love God, He's in them. Let's go a step farther. Let's go past what some people teach. If God is love, then if a man loves his wife in the way that Christ love the church, even if that man is not worshiping God, he's born of the Spirit because God is there. Now, he ought to be in the church. First of all, that gives glory to our Savior. And secondly, it betters the man, his wife, and the church. But my point is the works of God are manifest in His people. Regardless, and as I said earlier, even if we do not see it, God does. A man that enters into the rest of God has ceased from his own works. I can't attain it. I know I'm bankrupt morally. I know I'm a worm. I know I'm vile. I know that by my nature, I hated the things of God. Therefore, Salvation is in the work of Christ. I've ceased from trying to attain salvation by my hand. And I rest in the fact that it's of the hand of God whom we worship. We'll get into more of that later. As God rested from His works on the seventh day because they were finished, as Christ rests sitting at the right hand of God from the work of eternal salvation and foundation of the church because it's finished, the church is still here. The church grows as the Lord adds. The work of Christ is finished. It's laid out. 
It's completed. The purpose is done. We rest from our works. And we rest in the finished work of Christ. Let us therefore labor. There is a work that we are to do. Let us therefore labor therefore to enter into that rest. Lord, help thou mine unbelief. Help me to worship. Help me to assemble. Help me to pray. Help me to learn. Help me to control my tongue. Help me to control my body to keep myself under subjection. Help me to present my body a living sacrifice. The very Son of God. Lest any man should fall after the same example of what unbelief. We'll get back to this next week. We'll read verse 12. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I've told you this many times, and it's plain. You can refer this back, and this is not where I'm going to stop with this. You can refer back to God forming man from the dust of the ground and breathing the breath of life into his nostrils and man became a living soul. You can refer back to the point that that body was made and had no life in it until God breathed the breath of life into it and it became a living soul. And you can also think about, therefore, since that breath came from the eternal God, that that life will not end. Whether you're God's or not, that life will not end. Therefore, while the elect inherit eternal glory forever, the wicked shall inherit the lake of fire forever. One is as long as the other of necessity for the justice and judgment of God. Let me give you something a little farther down the road to think about until next week. The Word of God is quick. It's alive and powerful creation, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. You cannot see that spirit. You cannot see that ghost. You cannot see that life. For the soul is the life. Seventy souls went down into Egypt. But the point, they were visible, they were seen. Don't misunderstand me. You cannot see the spirit and the soul. It's not able to see it as God created the spirit invisible, the soul being your life. And then He says the joints and marrow, they're covered by flesh. They're covered by muscle. They're covered by blood. Just as you cannot see the dividing asunder of soul and spirit divided by that two-edged sword, just as you cannot see the covered bones and marrow, just as you cannot see the thoughts and intents of the heart, God sees all. The Word of God, Christ, sees all. The admonition 
is to believe that God is who Christ manifests Him to be. Heals the sick, raises the dead, died upon the cross for us, raises us up, will carry us to glory. We'll pick up there in 12 again next week.